This is an ABC podcast. I'd like to acknowledge this program is made on Woiwurrung country. I pay my respects to Wurundjeri and all First Nations elders, past, present and future. Extremely ambitious and driven, which is a very common ADHD trait. We're very passionate people. I love working with people with ADHD. It's fantastic. They're shapeshifters. They think out, like outside of the box. They bring a sprinkle of, of creativity that um, more mundane people who can cope with mundane tasks don't necessarily have. And it's wonderful. It's really in the employer's best interest to introduce these accommodations because it will create a lot of success in the employee, meaning that they're going to do better work. Most of us are familiar with Attention Deficit Disorder, or ADHD, in children, kids with difficulty sitting still or focusing on boring tasks. But many adults, particularly women, are discovering for the very first time that they have ADHD. So what does it mean for their careers and how can it actually be a superpower? Hello, I'm Lisa Leong and on This Working Life, how ADHD can be an asset in the workplace and how we can create environments so everyone thrives. Hi, my name's Rebecca Challoner and I'm the founder and CEO of My Spirited Child and the National Peak Centre. Rebecca, both your companies have a unique approach to support and education around neurodiversity. What drives you to do the work that you do? So I've, I've been working in uh, disability and neurodiversity for a long time. But um, on top of that, myself and my kids all have ADHD um, and I'm dyslexic and my son also has an intellectual disability. So, so it very much drives my family and my work. When were you diagnosed? Uh, I was diagnosed in my mid-30s. Oh, what was that like? Um, good, actually. Um, really a real sense of relief and just finally having that awareness about my own brain. Mm. So it was fantastic, yeah. And what tipped you off? What made you think to go and get a diagnosis? I think I always knew I was ADHD, but... Uh, just as I got older and especially working in the field anyway and with my kids, it just became more and more apparent and eventually I thought, you know, I just want to know for sure. I want to have that confirmation. So, yeah, I went and got the diagnosis from there. And what did it then mean for you having that diagnosis? It was a real sense of um, gratification. Finally, everything that I'd struggled with made sense and um, in terms of sort of self-confidence it just made me realize that it wasn't those little things weren't my fault it was you know there was a reason why I struggled. And what did you do with this diagnosis in particular in the work environment? So for me it's it's made a huge difference work-wise because it's allowed me to understand where my strengths are and also understand where my challenges are so now I can focus heavily on my strengths and it's a lot easier then to put in strategies for my challenges because I know what those strategies need to be. So it's, you know, in terms of uh, professionally and, and in work, it's it's made a, just a massive difference just having that knowledge and understanding. So Cher, what are your superpowers? So probably the big one is ambition. I'm extremely ambitious and driven, um, which is a very common ADHD trait. Mm. We're very passionate people. So when we get 
um, a passion or, or an interest, we can become very ambitious and focused on that. And we tend to often be massive overachievers. So I've I've learned very quickly to how to tap into that and use it to my advantage to sort of get things done and, and succeed. And so what would you like people to understand about ADHD and neurodiversity? I guess the two most important things is One, that ADHD is a real neurobiological condition. It's not someone choosing to um, have certain behaviours. You know, they really, it's no different to someone who can't walk being in a wheelchair. You know, it's not a chosen behaviour or a chosen characteristic. That would be the first thing. And the second thing, um, I guess, would be just that people understand that it doesn't make someone less they're not less worthy, they're not less valuable, they're just as important and their brain is just as worthwhile. It's just different. Hi, I'm Catherine Johnson, an Associate Professor at the School of Psychological Sciences at the University of Melbourne. Catherine, one of the things that strikes me about ADHD is the increasing number of women who are seeking a diagnosis as adults. Why do girls and women fly under the radar? Oh, that's such a good question. So we're understanding the idea of gender better with ADHD. For a long time, we thought that the rate of the diagnosis was four boys to one girl. And we're really reconsidering that ratio now with a better understanding of girls presenting with ADHD. But this is primarily driven by the greater number of women um, coming forward for a diagnosis with ADHD. And when you look at adult rates, the ratio is one to one, one uh, male to one female. And we're trying to figure out what, what is going on there. And what we think is that the female girls are not necessarily showing these hyperactive and, and uh, impulsive mm. symptoms to the same degree. And they may be masking those symptoms because they're more attuned. This this is all very cultural now. They're more attuned to the the rules of the classroom and the needs and wants of the teacher. And so they they spend a lot of effort in not showing their hyperactivity. Then as as people with ADHD grow up, that becomes less overt and and behavioral and more internal with that internal restlessness. And so as adults, what happens is you think you might be going okay and then you've got this scaffold of school uh, with regular times and um, organisation that's provided to you by the schooling system and then you set free either to go and work or to go to university and that's when a lot of people and a lot of females realise that they're not coping so well and so they try to work out what is going on. Why, why can't they be as efficient or, and as organised as their friends and this was never a problem in the past but now it's a problem because they don't have the scaffolds and their help to support them and so now we then we see this one-to-one um, in the diagnosis rate in adulthood. Yes okay so what are some signs adults can look out for if they haven't received their diagnosis yet? The three key characteristics would be the, the issue here so the difficulties with staying on task and maintaining attention to a task over time and um, then the being um, hyperactive and impulsive so um, not being able to wait um, having problems with interrupting others and 
having trouble taking taking turns and waiting for someone to have their turn and then waiting to then have your turn. An adult with ADHD will always typically have a part of their body moving. So they may be tapping their foot or they may be flicking their pen um, or they may be rubbing their ears. There's always part of the body that's moving and that's the hyperactivity coming through. These are the, the behaviours that we're observing, um, but these can lead to these greater problems that a person has everyday life. So not being able to manage time well, not being able to complete tasks, uh, not being able to plan, not being able to um, deal with with uh, changing circumstances. Mm. So it does sound like there are a number of challenges, but the different wiring in ADHD brains often means that they're creative thinkers with a lot of passion and a lot of drive, which actually sounds great for workplaces. I I love working with people with ADHD um, and it's fantastic. They're shapeshifters. They think out, like outside of the box. They um, bring a sprinkle of creativity that um, more mundane people who can cope with mundane tasks don't necessarily have. And it's wonderful. ADHD is, is quite heritable. So it's, it's got a strong genetic underpinning. So ADHD is at the end of a spectrum in terms of behaviours. So these behaviours that we're talking about are everyday behaviours, right? We all have times when we're disorganised. We all have times when we feel very excited and hyperactive. And there are times when we look at the clouds and, and mind wander. But people with ADHD do this all the time so that it creates a problem for them every day. And so we think with this genetic underpinning that there's a, you know, a fair proportion of people, so 5% of school-aged children, 2 to 4% of adults have ADHD and that's going to contain or maintain itself in the population because these people with these behaviours are bringing value to our gene pool. They're, it's valuable for our society to have people who are creative, who are hyperactive, who don't think like everyone else because it's, it's, it's helpful for the community to survive. And so it'll hopefully maintain itself as long as it's not causing clinically difficult problems. So when you're I'm talking about treatment of ADHD, what aspects are you trying to treat so that you don't lose these beautiful parts? Uh, yeah, it's the the poor decision-making that can lead to all of those uh, difficulties with life. So the impulsivity and the hyperactivity and the inattention will all be diminished with treatment. So the treatment can be medication and it can also be psychoeducation uh, and um, therapy so some sort of cognitive behavioral therapy or psychodynamic dynamic ther- therapy to understand why you're behaving as you are and usually clinicians will provide all of those uh, aspects so they'll help the person understand what ADHD is through psychoeducation they'll potentially put the person on some uh, medication and they'll present the opportunity for ongoing therapy to help the person. What happens typically when someone goes uh, onto the medication in particular is that it dampens down these characteristics. So people are focused and they're less impulsive and they're less hyperactive. But that can also have a dampening of that creativity and so it's a, a trade-off. So some people will choose to take the medications when they're in the school term or Monday to Friday and 
and then on holidays and on the weekends they'll come off the medication and have medication-free periods and that brings that brings them back to their normal self which is with that creative drive so Catherine my very basic understanding of the condition is that neurotransmitters the pathways which carry information around the brain work a little bit differently in people with ADHD and this different wiring can cause the inattention impulsivity or hyperactivity but I'm really curious about the flip side of those traits hyperfocus can you tell me about that Yes, that's a really interesting phenomenon. This occurs with children and adults with ADHD where someone is doing a task that they absolutely love. So it's something that they get full, uh, they're fully focused on and they can be focused on this for hours. Uh, And then once it's done, they realise that they've been sitting there um, on this task for a really long time. And how could this be an asset in the workplace? If you can harness that hyperfocus as an employer, that would be amazing for both you and the and the person with ADHD because it's a very strong behaviour. Um, so, for instance, if someone was a computer programmer and they're hyperfocused on getting their program to run, and they just kept at it until it was done, then you're you're going to get a really good product at the end, and hopefully, the person with ADHD will enjoy doing that as well. Rebecca, you've lived and worked with ADHD for years, as well as educated people about the condition. What type of environments help people with ADHD to thrive? So, so I think the biggest thing is it's all well and good to eliminate distractions, and that's great. You know, yes, they do need distractions to be kept to a minimum in any way possible. So, um, not working in Um, large environments with lots of people, giving people their own space or own office, things like that is very helpful. It's not, however, the biggest help. The biggest assistance I've ever seen for an employer to give an employee with ADHD is to help build their confidence in the workplace. The more confident they feel, the more successful they feel. And for someone with ADHD, this is a really big driver of producing good work. So if we want them to do better in their job, helping make them feel successful. So really, you know, focusing more on the carrot and less on the stick, not not so much discipline, watching, being very aware of negative criticisms and things like that, but really helping build them up and letting them feel empowered. One thing I actually do with, with my staff and I try and make it a priority is by giving them sort of things challenges things to do trust so if I give them a task and you know sort of saying to them I trust you to to do that I don't you know I don't feel like I need to have input I feel like you'll get that done really well by yourself and just showing trust in them to help sort of build them up that way I think is really really important and any other examples of building up that confidence examples of the carrot um yeah so just really sort of recognizing when they do something well making sure we recognize that and 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 it's simple things like just a little comment here or there on how good they're doing and and you know even commenting to other people in front of them to help build help them feel that that level of confidence in their own ability and in their work with ADHDs we really struggle with feeling if we feel like we've failed or we feel like we're being criticized and so 
we, it's really, really important to get the best out of someone and to give them the best opportunity to succeed is to show when they're succeeding and, and really show them that we appreciate them and we appreciate what they're doing. Um, that will, will make all the difference to an employee who has ADHD in the workplace. So that positive reinforcement, I guess, really helps with the dopamine hit that is being inhibited by ADHD, which is great if you've got a supportive boss. But I have read conflicting advice about whether or not to disclose if you have ADHD. So what's your advice for discussing ADHD in the workplace? It's tricky because it really depends on the manager. So for example, at our workplace here, you know, if someone tells us they've got ADHD, that's going to give them an advantage because we understand and recognize the strengths of having ADHD. And we also know how to tap into that. However, due to the stigma that is unfortunately out there, there may be employers who have little awareness and, and feel, uh, you know, and look at it on a, a negative, from a negative perspective. I absolutely 100% believe that all employers should see it as a, as, as, as a strength because if the employer is putting into place those strategies and working to bring out the best in, in their employee, it is a strength and can be utilized to, to achieve really great things. So I think it's sort of the onus is on employers to start showing that not only do they accept someone with ADHD, but they actually, you know, really respect that and, and acknowledge the strengths in that. And Rebecca, in your experience, when an employee with ADHD goes to have that uh, starting conversation with their employer or their leader manager, have you seen that best done? So myself, I, I would always recommend, because you don't necessarily know how the employer, where they sit in terms of their knowledge or their understanding, I would always approach it from a position of supporting them as well um, to understand. So maybe get some information, some really basic and simple to understand information and present it to them with that conversation. Arrange arrange to do it in a meeting so that they're prepared, you know, and ready to, to focus on what you've got to say and and be prepared to help them. We we also as ADHDers have to sort of be aware that not everybody has or knows very much um, about ADHD, they might not have that understanding. And so really supporting our employers so that they can support us in return. So taking the information into them, sort of saying to them, I'm happy to answer any questions you might have. Is there anything you'd like to know or any advice you'd like on how to support me? You know, and really sort of seeing it as a, a way of working together then to build their knowledge and understanding to then offer accommodations back in return. So it's, it's a real team effort. It's not a you versus them type of thing. They just need to take the hour or so that it takes to learn a little bit about what the ADHD characteristics are and then just sit with them and go through what they can do to manage those. We have um, an ADHD spectrum that we use at work which um, we can mark off where they sit on that, on that ADHD spectrum, what they struggle with. And from there, we can then work out what they actually need more assistance with and what we can do to help those things. So just doing something like that to work out 
what can be done in the beginning is really, really beneficial down the track. And what if it's your manager who has ADHD? Well, um, my staff would be a good one to talk to about that. (laughs) Um, I think, again, the manager themselves really needs to make sure that the staff have that awareness. So um, one thing we do in in both my companies, we do a lot of little training things on ADHD so that it's it's understood both ways. So at the Peak Centre, myself and um, the other, my co-founder, we both um, are ADHD ourselves. So we do a lot of work here with staff to help them to understand what our struggles might be and where they can help us by, you know, where they can sort of make accommodations for us. And for example, for my um the other founder, she struggles with executive function, as many ADHDers do. And so she, if somebody sends her an email, chances are she's never going to read it because she can't get through her emails. So it's just asking them to, if you want me, send um, a quick text to say that you've sent an email so that I know to look for it. Um, and little things like that. So You know, an employer also will need some accommodations made if they have ADHD, but just helping employees to understand, you know, and work together to create that awareness and then then create those accommodations. What about any power imbalance that might be um, part of that relationship? How might that play out in how you might approach dealing with a manager with ADHD. Yeah, that's actually a really tricky one and that's something we've experienced here as well. So again, speaking about my um, co-founder, Christina, she um, also, she's also autistic and one of the things that she struggles with is if people beat around the bush. She needs things to be explicit and and stated directly, otherwise she misses the point. And and because of her being the boss, one thing we found is employees naturally will beat around the bush about things. They don't tend to speak directly to their bosses because of it, you know the, that power imbalance. And and she actually had to sort of say to them, you, you need to speak to me directly and be, be really specific. Stop trying to beat around the bush. Don't worry about offending me, just be to the point. Now, this is really, things like this are really hard for a lot of employees to do. And it becomes a lot harder if the manager isn't as open or... Um, available to talk about their ADHD. So I think if, if you're the employee, you, you know, maybe give the employer a bit of a nudge, uh, a very, very polite nudge, just to say something like, um, I know you, you're ADHD yourself. Is there something I can be doing to help you? And just, co- again, coming at it from a supportive approach, I really want to, you know, I want to be great at my job and I want to support you in the best way I can what can I be doing? And the more the awareness and the information is being spread backwards and forwards from a sort of supportive, collaborative approach, the more likely both parties are going to find solutions and strategies that that work for both. And what's your advice to anyone listening who's thinking, hmm, this all sounds a bit familiar? Would you recommend that they make a GP appointment to get diagnosed? So I would say from people I've met, it's actually the best. I've never met a single ADHD who got diagnosed as an adult who didn't say it was one of the best things they ever did. They all, because it just makes you just go, oh, now I get it. I get myself and I get, uh, you know, yeah. So totally up to you whether you go get diagnosed. But in my experience, it was definitely a good thing. 
Rebecca Challoner, founder and CEO of My Spirited Child and the National Peak Centre. We've got links on our website to the ADHD Spectrum tool that Rebecca developed to help workplaces map out tailored accommodations for employees. And for more on how ADHD affects the adult brain, head over to All in the Mind on the ABC Listen app. This Working Life is produced by Rachel Bongiorno or Rachel Bon Jovi, as our automated transcript says. I'm Lisa Leon. And until then, love your work. You've been listening to an ABC podcast. Discover more great ABC podcasts, live radio and exclusives on the ABC Listen app.